The topics discussed on the Be Mentally Motivated podcast are based on personal experiences. I am not a professional therapist or doctor, nor do I claim to be or have the knowledge of one. If you are in crisis, please seek the help of a trained and licensed professional. My name is Jeanette and I welcome you to the sixth episode of the Be Mentally Motivated podcast. Today I welcome my good friend Ravel Gulai to talk about her new book entitled Unreality Check, The Mindful Way to Heal, Depersonalization and Derealization. Ravel is a writer, meditation and mindfulness teacher, and a student of Advaita Vedanta. She has lived experience with mental illness and a rare sleep disorder. After years of experiencing psychological suffering and emotional turmoil, she began to find peace through her meditation practice. Ever since childhood, she has had experience with depersonalization and derealization, since then, Ravel has been able to fully recover and heal from her symptoms. For the past few years, Ravel has been asked to give mental health and spirituality talks, as well as teach meditation classes. She is also the creator of InherentPeace.com. Let's begin today's episode. Welcome, Ravel. Hi, Jeanette. It's so nice for you to join me to discuss the topic of depersonalization and derealization. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm so happy to be here. You're welcome. First of all, I would like to say congratulations on completing your book called Unreality Check, The Mindful Way to Heal, Depersonalization and Derealization. Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you that you're releasing this into the universe for sale on Amazon. This is absolutely amazing. Thank you. My husband and I have been listening to your podcast every week, actually, and I, I absolutely love what you're doing, and it's so wonderful to be a part of this week's episode. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. So let's jump right in. In your preface in your book, you state, and I quote, for most of my life, I felt empty. You continue to say that you struggle to connect with the world and the people around you. You liken this to the feeling of being in a dream. Please define this experience in the context of depersonalization and derealization or DP and DR. Yes. So um, DP and DR is the short form. DP is depersonalization. DR is derealization. Um, so depersonalization is essentially... A, you have a sense of detachment from yourself, your identity, your body, your mind, and it's as though you're an outside observer of your experience and you're not fully present. So um, it, you can feel a sense of emptiness. It can feel like your body is enlarged or shrunken or that your movements are robotic. You might feel like your head is like foggy or wrapped in cotton 
and it can feel like you lack emotion or that your memories might not be your own. And derealization is classified more by a sense of unreality with things, people, or your surroundings when um, it seems unreal and there's a sense of alienation from your surroundings. Your sense of time may also feel distorted. So recent events might actually feel like they happened in the distant past. You might even feel like you're in a movie or a dream. So as you mentioned, that was the experience that I had throughout my childhood. I just completely felt like I was in a dream. You may not even be able to recognize yourself in the mirror. So intellectually, you may see the image of yourself, but it's really hard to connect to that image. And um, there's a broader term as well, which is dissociation. And well, that sort of, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, so. Dissociation, I, I'm actually familiar with that term. I, I haven't heard derealization or depersonalization before. Yeah, so dissociation is sort of, so depersonalization and derealization are sort of under the umbrella of dissociation. Um, dissociation is the broader term and it can range from the sense of detachment from your immediate surroundings to a more severe sense of detachment from physical, emotional, and your mental experience. Oh, okay. So in short, the difference would be that depersonalization pertains to how you perceive yourself and derealization relates to how you perceive your surroundings. Oh, okay. Yeah, so these, uh, and I just want to note too that these definitions are based on our current understanding of DP and DR. So um, there isn't a whole lot of information available right now about these disorders. Um, so this is how we would define them at this time. Okay, that's good to know. What I also found interesting is that after your healing, you encountered a young man that suffered from depersonalization. In your book, you say that he was told by his healthcare providers that there wasn't a cure for this mental malady. What lessons learned can you impart on our listeners in regards to combating the feelings of hopelessness and fear that may result from depersonalization and derealization? Yeah, so that's a good question. And actually, um, the young man who reached out to me, um, that's one of the reasons that it motivated me to write the book because there is a very common perception that there is no cure for depersonalization, derealization. So on the one hand, I have talked to people who believe this. Yet on the other hand, I've also read about other people like myself who have been able to fully recover. Mm -hmm. So, and the, here's the thing, and you should know this as well, because when you have a mental illness, hope is so important because we know the pain that comes from hopelessness. Yes. Yeah. So if you're not one to hold on to hope, I want to emphasize that the reality is that myself and many others have been able to heal and we have shared our stories based on our lived experience. And I believe that if I can heal, that the possibility of healing is also for you too. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, the perception that there is no cure, I don't think it's accurate anymore. And I would urge um, anyone that's suffering from this to just try to turn your mind to the possibility of healing. Having said that, it's also important to acknowledge and accept where you are right now. Um, and that recognizing this, uh, this is actually really important because for me, it was important to recognize that 
depersonalization and derealization is not abnormal. It's actually part of her defense mechanisms. Really? Yes. We often hear with anxiety, um, the, the fight and flight response is common, but the freeze response, that's where depersonalization and derealization comes in. And this often gets overlooked. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> and I think right now, um, anyone that is suffering from DP and DR, they're, they, they feel stuck in that freeze experience. But once they're able to address the root cause, healing is possible and it does happen. Yeah, I have I have experience with somebody who dissociates on not on a regular basis, but they've experienced it quite um, frequently, and they have explained it as being stuck, and they yeah. they can't react or they don't know how to react until that feeling actually passes. So that totally makes sense when you describe it as freezing. Yes, absolutely, because um, if you think about you know, if you're, if you come across any sort of danger or threat, like you hear you're walking, let's say, and you hear like a rustling in the bushes, you know, you can either run or you, you get ready to, to fight that adrenaline starts to take over. Or there's also the freeze response. And we see the freeze response. It happens very commonly with animals. Mm -hmm. Rabbits tend to freeze a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So that's what's happening. You, you freeze and, and you just sort of become very detached from your experience. And this can actually help protect you um, at times too. So it's just important to note that this is, even though the experience feels abnormal, it is actually a very normal part of our human functioning. Okay. In your book, you also highlight the practice of mindfulness. What is mindfulness and how can the practice help people with DP and DR? Yeah, so we're hearing a lot about mindfulness more in um, mainstream culture. And um, it's important to note that mindfulness is an ancient practice originating thousands of years ago. Um, It originated in India and it's also branched out and flourished into the Buddhist uh, tradition. And right now it is becoming popularized in the Western world. And the reason for this is because mindfulness can be so healing especially when it comes to um, helping people with mental health and just being able to cope with stress and anxiety. So there are many aspects of a mindfulness practice, but the essence is really about bringing your attention to the present moment, leaving behind your judgments, your interpretations, your expectations, and leaving behind any resistance that you have towards your experience. So it's a way to suspend your beliefs and just experience what is present without tainting your experience by your perceptions. Okay. Yeah. So if we think too about um, with, so with mindfulness, it, it allows you to connect to what is currently dissociated from your awareness and it helps to correct any distortions in your perceptions that are due to your thoughts and your judgments about what you're experiencing. So if we think about dissociation as disconnection, then mindfulness is what can help us to connect. Oh, wow. That totally makes sense. Yeah. So, and I think too, without mindfulness, the unconscious patterns that run, um, your dissociation continues to rule your behaviors, your mood and thinking. But when you become mindfully aware, it can help break these cycles 
So um, as I mentioned, modern health, um, sorry, mental health techniques now utilize mindfulness because it is a practice that brings clarity, insight, peace, and connection. Mm. Now, I'm a firm believer in reevaluating your thoughts. Facing your emotions and fears is important, especially when you have a mental illness. For me, that is the catalyst to healing instead of avoidance, which exacerbates the issue. Your book supports this notion. Explain how this approach is beneficial to someone that identifies as having DP and DR. Yeah, so when you have DP and DR, your thoughts, emotions, and physical sensations, again, they're dissociated from your awareness. Yes. So it's yeah, it's important to understand that dissociating happens because your attention withdraws. So for instance, when you're watching TV, you lose awareness of your surroundings. It, so it isn't that the room that you're in has disappeared. It's just that your attention is no longer on the room itself. So in the same way, when it comes to dissociation, your attention is withdrawing from your experience. It withdraws from your body, your emotions, your, your surroundings. And this is why it becomes difficult to perceive yourself and to perceive others and even the environment that you're in. Mm. Yeah, and this, this, this does happen unconsciously, um, but you can learn to connect again. This is another reason why mindful awareness heals depersonalization and derealization. Um, in my own life, when I started practicing mindfulness, I noticed that most of my attention was wrapped up in thinking. So in my book, I share exactly what came from that insight as well. In truth, we aren't used to watching our minds in this way, but this was one of the first steps I took to heal my own DP and DR patterns. So yeah, as you um, build awareness of your thoughts, you'll see how your thinking adds to your dissociation. That's good to know. And I know you have exercises, what I thought was amazing in your book. Oh, thank you. Yes, Um, I did include worksheets and activities to sort of help you recognize and reevaluate what your mind is saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there are specific methods in the book to sort of help you put the theory into practice and help you connect your attention back to your body and to your surroundings. It's actually like there is a process that I've outlined Um, so regarding facing your emotions and your fears, this is important because it's not wanting to face them. Um, that's one of the reasons we dissociate because remember with, we're withdrawing our attention from painful and unpleasant experiences because they overwhelm us. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like one of the examples I can probably give about that is like, if you lose a loved one the emotional pain you feel can be so unbearable and this triggers our freeze response. Mm -hmm. So like you'll commonly hear people say that they feel so empty inside. Um, And in truth, the emotion is underneath the dissociation. And it's something that we have to face at some point. And I I do want to note as well, like in in a situation of like a loved one passing, as painful as that is, it is common to dissociate and then reconnect again later. But with those who suffer from DP and DR, this actually becomes a pattern and it becomes more difficult to reconnect. Yeah, I love that example of of somebody passing away because I think that that's totally relatable for somebody who doesn't have full understanding of this. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. And um, I, I, another thing I would say too is like learning how to consciously connect to what you're feeling is a big step towards healing. Because again, um, there is a step-by-step process for facing your emotions and for processing them. Um, and that is something that I have outlined as well in my book. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure, Jeanette, from your own experience, it's something that you sort of had to come face to face at some point with all the pain that you were feeling too. Yeah, you know, it's very difficult. And I've heard people say that um, they don't want to relive their trauma or they don't want to deal with or process those fears. They tend to block them or avoid um, putting, they put them aside. But yes. I really think that um, for proper healing, you do have to face if not all of it, some of it, because that helps you get through to the other side for healing. It helps you to recognize where the issues lie. So then that way you can work on them and go past them into healing. Yes. I love how you put that. That's exactly it. And um, like you said too, it's not wanting to face it it, because it is so painful, right? Mm -hmm. And this is why I think it's really important. And, and you, you also mentioned like facing it little by little um, or something to that effect. But yeah. yeah, so I think it is like, you know, having a step-by-step process does help with that because instead of, you know, jumping in and overwhelming yourself, you can sort of um, move through it very slowly, you know. <laughs> it's kind and, of have like- time to, and also have time to process each point as opposed to, being bombarded and overwhelmed, like you said, with everything at once. Exactly. So it's kind of like dipping your toes into cold water. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You don't want to just dive right in, especially because you're already in such a vulnerable state. That's right. Excellent example. Yeah. Um, So, uh, you know, just I do want to mention that a lot of the activities that I have in in my book and um they help to connect to not just your emotions but to your surroundings and your body because that's also another important part again like um dissociation means detachment so it's all about learning to reconnect and to do so in a way that feels safe and hopeful and intentionally guided Mm. yeah and um also when i think when you're learning to sort of identify the patterns that are happening. It's also helpful to have like a checklist so that you know, um, you know, what is a dissociative pattern and you can really understand and express your feelings around depersonalization, derealization and how it actually impacts you because so many insights can come from doing this. You know, that's a good point because, um, like I said, I do have an experience with somebody who does have um, dissociative tendencies and what they say, they don't, I don't think they're aware of what actually triggers the dissociation. So the fact that you can actually do a step-by-step process through um, your book helps them to identify the what happens or situations where it might be likely for them to dissociate it helps them to identify when these things are happening yeah absolutely this is something that i've experienced ever since i was a child Mm -hmm. so for you know like i it wasn't until like 
over 25 years later that I really started to understand what was happening to me and why it was happening. Because, you know, for 25 years, I wasn't really consciously involved in my experience. Oh, yes. It was just a pattern, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's another thing I actually do share in um, my book is some of the challenges that I faced from childhood into adulthood and what happened when I started trying to heal and recover from my symptoms and how I also addressed the root cause and why DPDR happens, how it became a pattern, all of which was extremely insightful and healing for me in my own journey. And actually one of the other things, um, so I, I don't know if this is the same with the person that you're, you've mentioned, but um, there's a lot of existential thinking that happened to me yes. where I would just sort of get caught up in the, like, why am I here? What is the purpose of life? Yes. This is another habitual pattern. And I think, I think in, in a way that actually is trying to, you're trying to actually, without realizing it, connect back to yourself. Yes. When you exactly. think about that. Exactly. That's exactly it. Because you know that something isn't quite right. Mm-hmm. So your mind can go in all sorts of places trying to search for answers to figure out what's happening because it is a very unusual experience. Yes. This is excellent. Any last thoughts? Um. So yeah, like I, I, I did mention before, there isn't a whole lot of information on DPDR. I think the main thing I would want to share for anyone that's listening to this, um, if you experience depersonalization or know someone that does, I think that the first challenge is also being able to recognize that healing is a possibility. I love that. <laughs> I never, I never thought that healing was a possibility. In fact, like there were times where I wasn't even sure that something was wrong with me, <laughs> and it was really hard to, you know, talk to mental health. Um, experts about my experience because I wasn't getting the help that I needed from them. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's I think that's um something that a lot of people that have mental illness actually um, share. That's one thing that's in common because what you think you're experiencing that is your reality. So when you're trying to relay that information to somebody else who's not um, f- familiar with those. Um, situations or your experiences it's it actually is difficult for them to make the connection and when you say that healing is possible I love the fact that you're actually stressing that because with mental illness you are hopeless and you think that there is no cure and especially when you have people that are telling you that um this is basically the way that it is you have to have some way to connect back to hope And there is always a way to heal from any illness, I believe. Absolutely. I believe that too. Because we don't know what the future is going to hold. And, you know, the moment we let go of hope, then any thoughts that we have about the future are just, it's just going going to be more bleak and it's going to add to, you know, the, the suffering that we're experiencing now. Yes, I also um, want to mention as well that a lot of times with DP and DR, um, it's it happens because of, you know, the person's experienced some sort of trauma in their life or some mm-hmm. sort of like difficulty or hardship. And what happens is this 
this experience gets sort of relived unconsciously. So it makes it difficult to experience life without the background pain um, and the background noise of what that trauma was. Mm. So, um, you know, if you, I think if you do experience depersonalization, derealization, just know that you're experiencing it for a reason and that there is a positive intention behind DP and DR. It's trying to protect you from uncomfortable and unpleasant experiences. It is a defense mechanism and the intention behind it is there. It's, it's a positive one. It's there to keep you safe. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I think we often forget about the positive intention. Um, even with anxiety, we forget, you know, that there is a positive intention there. Yeah, so I can't stress enough. I can't stress enough if there is anything I would want you to take away from this is that it is possible to be free and to find peace and happiness. This is not just a nice philosophy. There is a practical approach to healing. It is methodological as a former sufferer, I essentially mapped out the steps that I took to heal and I created this process from my lived experience using mindfulness and cognitive behavior therapy practices. So if you are serious about starting this process, again, just begin by letting yourself have hope. I love that. Let yourself have hope. That's amazing. <laughs> You have two minutes for self-promotion. Please close us out with what you are currently working on and how people can reach you for more information about your book and your blog. My book is available on Amazon. I released it in May this year. It's called Unreality Check, The Mindful Way to Heal Depersonalization and Derealization. Um, if you do want to connect with me, you can follow me on Instagram and Pinterest or Facebook. Um, my usernames on there is Inherent Peace. If anyone wants to learn more about spiritual teachings and mindfulness um, for mental health, please visit my website at inherentpeace.com. I have tons of free resources as well on my website. And if you do subscribe to my email list, you get access to all of my resources. There are free guided meditations that you can download, worksheets that you can print. Um, I also plan on launching my own podcast hopefully Excellent. by the end of the summer <laughs> yep um so i'm gonna need your guidance for that <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i'm hoping i can write more books and i would love if you wanted to stay up to date um, with me and just join my email list i also have a actually one article i do want to mention that is going to be coming out it is about using a body scan meditation the reason I want to mention this is because it's particularly helpful when it comes to dealing with depersonalization and derealization. So I would um, recommend trying that because even if you have never meditated before, I explain everything in my article and I do offer a guided meditation and there is going to be a printable body awareness activity as well that will help you connect with your body. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's excellent, Ravel. I love this podcast. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. I hope it was helpful to your listeners and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Well, my listeners, that brings today's episode to a close. Thanks again to my guest, Ravel, for speaking about depersonalization and derealization. I hope that you enjoyed our discussion. 
I would also like to thank Earth to Venus for my theme song. For comments about today's show, or if you are a mental health professional and would like to be a guest, please email podcast at bementallymotivated.com. I would love to hear from you. You can follow me on IG and Facebook at Be Mentally Motivated or check my website, bementallymotivated.com. That is all for today. Until next time, be blessed, embrace a better tomorrow, and be mentally motivated. Bye-bye.